from depression to diabetes to obesity and addictions. Our medical problems are climbing and are now at epidemic rates. This is why I started this podcast, Your Health Transformed, to educate you, to teach you, so we can all learn how to combat these increasing medical problems and live well again and become transformed. I am your host, Dr. Franchelle Hamilton, bariatric surgeon, and have seen these medical problems and treated them firsthand. I am now on a journey to help transform health, not just band-aid it. So thank you for listening and going on this journey with me and all of my guests on Your Health Transformed. Today we are talking to Sandy Vo. She does a lot of holistic health and finds ways for people to kind of um, prosper. And that's kind of the whole premise of her programs and her retreats. And so I'm excited today to talk about um, not only digging deeper to this idea of self-care, but setting boundaries and how that can actually make you healthier by doing that. So welcome to the show, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me. And do you like to be referred to as Franchelle or Dr. Hamilton? Um, it's up to you. Whatever you prefer. Um, I don't I don't mind. It's up to you. <laughs> Everybody right. knows, you know, on the show that I'm Dr. Hamilton. So Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Dr. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you though and what you're doing with this show. I think that on a lot of people's health journeys, one of the things that um is hard for them is they feel like other people are more experts on their own bodies than themselves. And, and I think what you're doing that's really amazing is you're bridging the gap between what traditional mainstream medicine looks like and giving power back to people yeah. to say, hey, like you can, you can work as a partner in, in this health journey. So I think it's really amazing that you're, you have a whole podcast show about that. Yeah, no, and and thank you. And thank you for acknowledging and being able to recognize exactly what I'm trying to do because most people on this show know, but that I was traditionally trained and I've kind of gone through this own discovery and treating my own patients that it can't just be me, the doctor, like barking down orders and treatments, you know what I'm saying? A lot of it has to come from the patient and I'm just kind of there to kind of guide them and educate them. So that's what this podcast is about. I really, you know, I think there needs to be a lot of changes in healthcare, especially in the US, like our traditional healthcare system, I think needs a complete overhaul and revolution. And so it's nice to have guests come on the show, showing people or educating people on different aspects in their expertise, so to speak, just to kind of get people thinking about things um, on a whole. So I'm happy to have you here. And I was going to ask you too, like, how did you kind of get into the field that you're doing now? Yeah, well, you know, for me, it actually started from that space. Um, I was experiencing depression and I just had a lot of overwhelm, pain, anxiety that was going on in my life that surfaced from traumas that I experienced when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And what's so fascinating in hindsight, looking back is how incredibly clever our ego and our brain is to protect us from Mm -hmm. certain uh, types of abuse, uh, sexual abuse or 
um, really traumatic memories, getting bullied that many of us, many of us have experienced, unfortunately. And so for me, it got to a point where there were so many things that was happening in my life at the same exact time. My dad, who I was super close to, um, left the family. My parents got divorced. I'm the oldest of you know, two younger siblings. So I felt like once he left, the whole burden of everything that my dad was doing landed back on me. And uh, someone that was really close to me at the time, my cousin had passed away from leukemia all while I was stepping into my very first year of college. So, you know, I think that it was that experience of pain that eventually led me to a deeper depression that eventually led me to what I'm doing right now. Uh, I remember one day getting to a point where I gained so much more weight on my body and I, I am a very, I'm five two, so I'm pretty small and I gained about 50 extra pounds, you know, on my body. And I was like, wow, something's going on here and I need help and something needs to change. So I went to my school psychologist, you know, very, privately didn't tell any one of my friends what I was experiencing because I I wasn't able to sleep. I had insomnia. Uh, I just was so isolated. I just felt like it was hard to wake up. I had no extra energy to respond back to people. And at the same time, I was doing so many things at one time you know, um, being on multiple different organizations from the school, managing many different jobs. And it got to a point where I was depleted and exhausted. And so I go to my school psychologist and I I sit down and she sits in front of me with her clipboard and her legs crossed. And I, you know, she asked me what was going on and, and I told her and I was so shocked that within three minutes, you know, I was out the door. Uh, she ended up, saying that, you know, you, it sounds like you have depression and here are some antidepressants and it was a, it was a, a prescription. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, something in that moment just told me, no, this is yeah. not the route for me. And that's when I started exploring holistic ways to treat myself and, and I started to eat healthier and my whole um, relationship with food began to change. And then it eventually led me to meditation, which is a whole nother realm yeah. that, that completely healed my depression. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And thank you for sharing that story because you'd be surprised how many people come from that place. I, having been a bariatric bariatric surgeon, seeing this and seeing people struggle with weight in epic proportions kind of was like, there's something else going on here. And me just giving them a surgery without them dealing with this kind of underlying rooted problems. And you're right, traumas from whatever it may be, that just kind of reverts them back to the same position. And I just increase their risk of this with this surgery. And so that's kind of where my um, journey and passion came from, because I started seeing like, there's got to be this kind of other way. The fact that you intuitively got there, kudos for you, because I would say that's not the majority, the majority of what of either taking the medication or they would have just gone to um, another doctor maybe to get a second opinion. And, and obviously I'm a physician, so I'm not against physicians. It's really just to open the eyes that there's got to be other ways. And so I've noticed like a lot of medical problems and you just listed like eight, 
You know what I'm saying? That people go to see doctors for is rooted in all in something completely different. So you were stressed out, you were depressed, you had anxiety, you had weight gain, and not to mention all the other things that come with weight gain and all this other stuff. You were depleted, you had insomnia. Like I just listed like five or six medical problems that a lot of people would go see a doctor for. And 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 then they're expecting a treatment. And even now I work in hospitals and they're just like, give me a pill. And I'm like, this is so frustrating. Like you don't need a pill. You need to figure out like what else is going. So I really appreciate that you kind of laying that out and then you intuitively kind of finding your own path to treat yourself essentially is what happened. Yeah. And I think this is something to talk about is that uh, there, for me, there's no blame in the medical system. And I, I myself, I have a lot of clients who are also doctors and psychologists. Yeah. And, and what I'm learning just from working with them and just from having the direct experience myself is that the society that we live in, the economy that we live in, we train people to yeah. focus on what's fast because what what we do that's fast makes more money. And so we constantly are seeking instant gratification. So, you know, it gets to the point where some doctors kind of can see the reliancy on fast, 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 and how it's, it's hurting people more than it's helping them. And a lot of doctors become doctors because their initial desire was not to make money, was to heal people, was to help people. But eventually it gets to this point for them where they're in the, the system so much and there's so much overhead control control over how they do things that now their patients are the ones that are like, no, I want it fast. I want it now. And it's it's hard for them to be able to actually insert um, their desire of a real heal healing and and holistic healing. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. Cause I, I'm still in that environment. So you have, I still have some patients who get it and I'm like, no, this is the way that we need to do things. If you want sustainable, like recovery, not just treatment. And then you have others that are just like, no, give me the pill, like to fix everything. And I'm like, there's no magic pill. And so I think it's a societal problem um, here in the States. Like there's been Eastern medicine practices, which you know better than me, that's been for thousands of years that had nothing to do with our traditional Western treatments that are proving to be just as good, if not better, in resolving a lot of these kind of chronic conditions. So no, I'm 100% with you on that. And that's why... I've done this podcast just to open the eyes and ears of not only patients that there's another way, but also providers because because I was in that too. I was traditionally trained. So like mm-hmm. I 100% get it and, and we're bred in that environment where we're thinking, okay, this is the way we treat when now you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many other ways to do this. So kind of piggybacking on your experience, I wanted to bring up because we I've talked about self-care a lot on this podcast, so I won't kind of go deep into that here because there's other stuff I want to talk about with you. But where do you think the term came from and why all of a sudden is it so popular? Do you think like, I'll be honest, I feel like I haven't heard of it three years ago. You know what I'm saying? And then now some people are almost abusing the term. So I've had to like clarify on this podcast what self-care is. But why do you think like all of a sudden that has become so important and why was, weren't we doing this before or, or were we, it just wasn't called self-care. Yeah. This is such a great question. And I think, so when it comes to self-care, 
I think self-care stems from meditation. It stems from yoga. It stems from those words that are, you know, for a long time in America were considered taboo, especially if you come from a religious background and you hear the word meditation or yoga, you would be afraid that you're sinning. You would be afraid that <laughs> you are doing something that is completely against your religion and you're going to end up, you know, going going yeah. to hell or something. Yeah. Right? And, and so it was very much considered taboo. And what I've found, even within the past 10 years of doing this work, there has been so much of a shift where it, it's, it's the, I think what happens is when a lot of practices come from the Eastern traditions, when it comes to yoga and meditation, which I'm going to dive into a little bit more, and it comes over to America, it becomes mainstreamed. And when it becomes mainstreamed, and it's adapted by uh, celebrity figures, by popular TV shows and media outlets, that's when more and more people start to adopt it and make it grand. And so self-care, what it's become in our mainstream society has been about, you know, bubble baths and getting yeah. a manicure and a pedicure and, um, you know, going for a girl's day or, yeah, exactly. um, you know, just listening to music, bath bombs. And we see it when we walk in Target. We see it, you know, yeah. on on magazines and everything. And I think the bright side to this is it's bringing people's surface level awareness to what self-care is, but it's actually not the root of what self-care yeah, is. Correct. So when I talk about self-care, I say that self-care is being self-aware. Yeah. Self-care to me stems from yoga and yoga isn't, uh, when I talk about yoga, I'm not talking about the mainstream way that we experience yoga, which is how far can you stretch your body and how much of a pretzel can you make yourself look like in this moment, right? Um, yoga in its core root word is a Sanskrit word and it stands for union. It's, it's about the union between you and your higher self. It's you and your the divine that lives within you or your thoughts and then your inner wisdom. Yeah. It's that level of union. When those things become aligned, then you're able to experience peace, harmony, love, joy. And when you do that, when you learn how to witness your thoughts in that way of, if I think this thought, what is it doing to my body? How does it feel? So when I say yeah. to myself, I hate myself, I hate my body, whoo, you can feel the energy, yeah. just it lowers your energy and you feel drained and tired. And, and so Yo, part of what yoga is, is being able to observe your own thoughts and recognize what they are and realize that your thoughts are not the commander. You get yeah. to choose your thoughts and you get to um, choose which thoughts you want to obey and which thoughts you don't want to obey. So for me, self-care is a moment to moment action. It's about looking at the unconscious mind and the things that we are unaware of. It's about rewiring them so that we can have a different experience that brings us more joy and harmony. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, I, I a hundred percent agree. I have like a whole chapter of this on my book. And so essentially you're saying the thought of self-care has been around right in Eastern medicine forever. And like you said, it was in forms of yoga and meditation. It's just that once it got brought to America, we kind of coined the term and then made it, you know, kind of packaged it in our own way, which is why a lot of people now here in the U S are hearing the term a little bit more, but when you talk to people who understand what it does and what the purpose of it is, it's essentially exactly what you, you kind of talked about. So let's kind of go into the next thing. Like, tell us about, cause you work a lot with kind of this outer world that everybody deals with. And then this kind of inner world. And I, 
really wanted to dive in a little bit deeper to this um, going achievement, you know, this, and, and I talk about it as like almost like a performance mindset type of thing where you have to achieve this certain level where it's at work or even, even health or goal or a number on the scale and how come that will ultimately make you feel not worthy by like setting these almost like achievement goals for yourself. So I wanted to kind of talk about that and then this body centered approach for worthiness, which is kind of your deal. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So achievement and worthiness tie hand in hand. I'm going to tell you why. So if you're a high performer, if you're someone Mm -hmm. that is, you consider yourself type A and you like to get things done, you wake up in the morning, you already got a cup of coffee in hand and you have a to-do list of things that you live by. And if you don't cross them off, then you feel defeated and you're really hard on yourself, right? So if you are that person, uh, you know, achievement and worthiness are tied neck and neck. And it's really interesting because what happens is when you are an achiever, the world looks at you one way and how you look at you is another way. So the world looks at you as somebody who is incredibly motivated, someone who is, is you get things right, someone who has it all together. But how the way that most achievers look at themselves is that they aren't enough, that they need to do more, that there's actually something to prove. And there's an underlying trauma that they've experienced that they're escaping or running away from, which is why they live for achieving one thing to the next. It keeps their mind focused on something. And that can really help us. It can drive us to a certain point, right? So for me, I know that when I was going through a really deep depression, I did bodybuilding. I juggled three different jobs and internships while I was in school, full credit student. And that to me helped me to keep my mind busy and do all these things. However, it drained me at the same time because I didn't realize that I was so fixated on accomplishing these goals to run away from something. And I didn't feel worthy of actually being able to just enjoy my life and the present moment that was in front of me. So when we are so fixated on achievement and goals without taking a pause to look at what is the root of this? Why yes. am I doing this, right? Yeah. What is uh, what is my core value? And when we don't remember that, we don't remember the blueprint of where that achievement comes from, that's when we get lost along the way. And that's when it's a signal that there is some form of deep-rooted unworthiness that is stemmed in your, in your body, in your system. Yeah. And so one of the fastest way to uh, begin to look at this and to heal this is to have a body-centered approach. And what I mean by that is you have wisdom and your body has wisdom. Your body is constantly communicating to you and it's constantly giving you back feedback. The only thing is your mind is so busy and it's so scattered and it's thinking about so many different things at one time that it's actually hard for you to listen to your body, to feel what your body is trying to tell you to know what to do. And so the, the biggest thing that will help overachievers and also the hardest thing for overachievers to do is to actually slow down. Yeah. Now I know this word scares a lot of people. Right? <laughs> this word scares a lot of people. But what happens when you actually slow down and you just give yourself some moments to pause? Is that your whole body? You can feel it if you just take a deep breath right now. Right, you inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth. 
you're sending a signal to your body right now. You're telling your body, I am safe. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to be right here. You can sink into your body. And now your adrenals aren't going. You know, you're not, you're, you're, you're not frying your adrenal glands because you're trying to do too much at one time. That's yeah. actually impossible to do. And you get this moment to just be present. And now you're going to notice more things about your body. You're going to mm. notice, oh, darn. I feel a little bit sore in my shoulder area right here. I actually feel like I have some digestive things going on right here. And the more present that we become with our bodies and the more that we tune in and we listen, your body will give you the signal that you need. Now it's up to you to use your conscious mind to make a decision about it. So if I notice a sore in my, in my shoulder, am I going to go book a massage? Am I going to apply some oil and just massage myself? Am I going to spend less time on the computer? Am I going to lay down and just do some stretching before I get to work? If I notice some digestive issues going on in my belly, am I going to stop eating cheese or drink, you know, gluten when I know that it really affects me? Uh, It's you taking that those steps, living in union, living yoga and asking yourself, what is good for myself, my highest and greatest good for myself, and then apply that. So that's, a body-centered approach to being able to understand the tie between achievement and worthiness. And what I find that is so fascinating is for the people that actually take this on and do it, they experience their goals like 10 times more. Let's say they, they set an income goal. They experience 10 times more of that income goal than if they were to actually move fast. So you think that if you slow down, that it's going to take away from your life, but it's actually making your moments a lot more enriched. And Mm -hmm. you learn so much that you literally experience your goals 10 times more than what you thought that it was going to be. And that's what blows a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's in a sense, like setting boundaries, like stop, like slow down and kind of do these other things because I'm an overachiever. Type A, and I've had to learn how to do that. Like it's it's hard, and and for me, even still, like it's an everyday it's an everyday practice. Like there's some days I do really well at it, other days I totally forget because in my head you have these check boxes that like need to get done, and you're just like check 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 check. And the other thing I've noticed too, and you can probably talk about more, is you're right. Whenever you you have made a comment like. I started get almost like a busybody doing these other things to help take my mind off of kind of some of the root issues. And what happens is once you kind of sit down and, and, and think about it, it you haven't treated or you haven't like resolved the underlying issues whenever you're you're doing that. So whenever you switch to I'm just going to do this so I don't have to think about this. That's actually not helping, right? I mean, you've exert like, and I tell my patients all that all the time, like, no, 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 let's go back. You know what I'm saying? And figure out how we can deal with the root issue because ignoring it is definitely not the case. And what I've found with this kind of what I call performance mindset or achievement mindset, where I just have to check, check, check. Whenever you don't get a box checked, those type of thinkers, they like fall apart. It's like a huge failure. Like, and then you're almost in a worse place then if you just gave yourself grace and, you know, it's okay. And I mean, what have you seen with that? Like almost like it's, they go into failure mode, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll share a story. I think that a lot of people might relate to, especially around type A and and hustlers. Uh, There, there was this woman that was very much 
type A. She liked to get things done crossed off by that to-do list. And when we really looked at where the root of that was coming from, it was, you know, when she was eight years old and she was, uh, she, she sings and um, she was at her show, her talent show, and her mom wasn't able to make it. And it really hurt her. And it happened several times. And uh, her mom was the only parent figure in her life. And it was a really big and important day for her. So her mom wasn't able to make it. So she spent so much of her life moving forward, trying to prove something and Mm. trying to work really, really hard to try to get that type of attention. And then that manifested into her relationships and it manifested into the way that she works in her life. And so we don't realize this, but so much of these root traumas that you're talking about, it stems from these moments that might not seem traumatic, but the way that I like to, to, to talk about trauma or define it is it's consciousness that's stored in the body that has never been released because we have been protected by it. We're not aware of what's going on. So we just live our lives, not knowing that that's something that's present. And so just know that when you do slow down and when you take time and you, you have a safe space, when you're working with people like Dr. Hamilton to be able to go through this, then you're going to be guided to these root issues that once yeah. you take the time to heal, you'll feel like so much more free in terms of how you experience the next few moments of your life. So going back to your question around what happens when you are overachieving and then you don't hit the mark and then you defeat yourself. That's something that I find that's very common. Another thing that I find that's common is guilt. So let's say that you're not, yes, let's say that you're an overachiever and you are practicing this, you're practicing slowing down, you're practicing taking some deep breaths for yourself, you're practicing setting strong boundaries in your life, but you feel so guilty for it that you end up reverting back to how things felt before and that sense of defeat overcomes you again. So this is something that you're experiencing right now. It, It really requires you to train your mind to think differently and to see a different perspective. So for anyone who feels guilt or anyone who feels defeated when they don't hit the mark, what I want to offer you in terms of a perspective shift is that when you're setting boundaries in your life, whether it's Boundaries. There's two types of boundaries that we're setting here. It's the boundary with yourself, which is the hardest boundary to set. And it's the boundaries with the people around you. When you're setting boundaries in your life, what you're creating is a safe space for you to grow and become the highest expression of yourself. And when you do that, you are honoring you and you're honoring everybody else that is around you. And you are taking care of your mind and body and spirit in such a way that now you become so present in your life that when you're having a conversation with someone or you're going to dinner, you're talking to your mom, you're talking to your loved ones, you are so present that you are offering them the greatest gift that you can actually offer them. Now, when you think differently, when you're thinking, oh, if I say no to this person, to help them out with this thing, even though I don't have enough time. And even though in my heart, like, I don't feel like I can do this, but if I just say yes, just to please them, you are not being fully present in that moment. You are thinking about all the other things that you have to be doing. And then you're going to feel even more guilty because you weren't able to fully be present for what they asked you for. And you said yes to it. So ultimately it requires a huge perspective shift and to understand that 
taking care of yourself and your energy is your highest priority in life. And not only is it your highest priority, but it's your highest currency. That's what's mm-hmm. going to generate you more income. It's going to generate you more health. It's going to generate yeah. you more time and everything that you're that we all desire in life. Yeah, no, I 100% agree because I've done that several times where you're juggling multiple things and then you still say yes to something you should have said no to and you're not really present there. So yeah, you go have coffee with a friend or whatever and you're still thinking about all the things that you didn't get done or the things that you need to do. So you're only giving this person whatever small percentage when you can just like, you know, I can't do this day or this time, but how about we reschedule it for this time when I can like fully give you me. So no, I 100% agree with that. And I'm glad that you put it kind of in that perspective because it's required to set healthy boundaries. Setting healthy boundaries, I think overall, like you said, it makes you a more productive, more prosperous and a more healthier you whenever you can say no potentially to other people who you may need to say no to. And then no to some of your checkboxes. Like, you yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. I have to get get through to today. So I guess to kind of wrap things up, how would you recommend people starting to set healthy boundaries? Like what are kind of some ways or things that you would recommend for them? Yeah. The simplest place to start is asking yourself, what are your core values? What are my core values? So I want you to take a moment and think about what is more important to you than money. Because money is the thing that drives a lot of people, right? We need money in order to do things in the society that we live in. So what is more important to you than money and why? That is your core value. That is the thing that drives you at the end of the day. So that's what matters to you. So tune back into what your core values are and then pay attention to how you can build your life around your core values. So when I'm working with my students, it's one of the first things that we do. We look at, okay, at the end of the day, what truly matters to you? Because this is going to be what drives you. And then how can we set boundaries around that? So for example, if I had a student that said, you know, my core value is inner peace or my core value is is um, spending quality time with myself or with the people I love, intimacy, right? Then if you look at your calendar, does it create enough room for you to have inner peace? Does it create enough room for you to have intimate relationships? Are you saying yes to too many things and you are filling up your life with too many things that actually don't even line up with this core value of yours? You say you want inner peace, but every time your girlfriend, you know, hits you up to go to the bar and have a few drinks or two and you feel hung over the next day, you say yes, right? Yeah, correct. It's really about getting real with yourself and looking at what you say your core values are and then what actions are you doing? Because something's not lining up here. Yeah. Part of living in union is looking at what my core values are and looking at my actions and then lining them up. So instead of going out to the bar every single Friday night when I don't feel like it, it's different if you, if you feel like you want to celebrate. It's completely yeah. different, right? We have days yeah. for that too. But if you feel like I don't want to do this, but I keep going and I keep doing because I want to please my friend, she just got in a bad breakup and I want to be there for her. Yeah. You know, if you keep doing that, then can you stay home and just spend a night taking a bubble bath and listening to some music and reading your favorite book that you have, have been wanting to read for a really long time? Can you do that instead? If yeah. you can continue to line up your actions with your core values Before you know it, 
you're going to look back at your life and you're like, darn, I'm actually living the life that I want to live. I'm not living the life that other people want to live for me. And this is a thing with overachievers, right? We want other people. We're learning from other people instead of um, choosing actions for ourselves. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. Living the life that you want to live. And honestly, you were meant to live instead of when you, I think, so I'll add, when you live the life that you want to live, it ultimately becomes the life you were meant to live. You will be able to fulfill whatever purpose that it was for you instead of trying to live the life other people want you to live. So no, I, I've seen that. I 100% agree with that. I'm so glad you've explained that. Um, and thank you so much for sharing this knowledge and, and these different perspectives with um, the audience today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me in your show. It's <laughs> amazing. I hope this message continued to empower you and inspire you to continue on your health transformation journey. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or download if you like what you're hearing. The goal is to continue to inform you and educate you as you transform on your healthcare journey and show you different paths to take in order to get you to your goal. Until next time, thank you.